So, now that I'm here to take over the podcast, uh, and I've replaced all three current members, um, Big G will have to be coming on to keep me in line. Uh, you know, if you're in the chat, we'd love to hear, you know, what your opinions are about the, the new spoilers coming out. Um, have you read the new magic story? Have you um, listened to other people tell you about it? It's, it should be pretty good, and we'll delve more into that later, but we'd love to hear some of your opinions now. Such is life. We have returned. Noah, you have not usurped everybody here. Welcome to This Week in MTG with your hosts, Matt Olson, JB, and Danny Oakstad. Merry Christmas, Magic Folk, and welcome to episode 119 of This Week in MTG, your aggregate news source for all things Magic the Gathering. We have a special Christmas uh, crew here. We got myself, I, Matt, and then over here, we have Noah. What's up? Filling in for both Danny and JB, you are Atlas, the world on your shoulders right now, sir. Oh, no pressure. <laughs> no pressure at all. But, but, but yeah, we got Noah filling in here for uh, Danny and JB because they have adulting lives going on and stuff. And yeah, you guys are going to be hearing this the week before Christmas, so Merry Christmas. And a Happy New Year. We're glad that you decided to join us for this, and... Let's start this podcast off by thanking our amazing patrons who think that this content is completely worth supporting. Don't know why you all fucking do it, but yet here you do. So thank you, Wade97, Chapman, D Moose, Amu the Fox, Colin, Noah, Slade, Third String Chapman, Nikki, No Modifier, Steve, and Jacob. Your guys' support means a lot to us here. And yeah, if if if, if you want to support us as well and join the patron you get put in for monthly drawings for a booster pack yeah so uh unfortunately kamigawa will not be out next month but i think we said since it's january january is my birthday month i want to do collector boosters of or yeah collector boosters of modern horizons oh let's fucking go yeah let's fucking go we're gonna give away two because we have 10 patrons 11 patrons so over 10 we give away two packs then and so uh, at the $3 tier, you get entered in for that. At the $10 tier, you get entered in for a card that's valued between $15 to $20. That's uh, very EDH-focused. It could be bling. It could be a powerful card. If I'm not mistaken, you got Torment of Hailfire and Rise uh, Rise from the Dark Realms. Yes. Yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been waiting to finally play my Toshiro Umazawa deck against you so I can use the Torment of Hailfire <laughs> and make you pay for your own defeat. So... I'm cocky about it. I'd be perfectly fine with that. I love Torment of Hailfire. It is such a solid card. Oh, yeah. And it's like, yeah, cards like that are the stuff that we give away to y'all. And that's what your money helps contribute to to doing, aside from paying for hosting fees for the podcast as well. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, go check out our patron. Links in the description down below. And if you want to support us outside of being a patron, we also have playmats available still. Uh, We're selling them for 20 bucks a pop. Hit us up. We ship them around. Uh, we ship them around America, and we can even ship them across the pond. We'll try and work out some shipping details and stuff there. But 
if you don't want to talk to us, uh, me directly or Danny or JB directly about picking up some play mats, you can also check out our sponsor, JW Sports Cards and Gaming, who has our play mats in their shop, also selling for 20 bucks, but you got to pay tax for that. So if you're in the FM area, want one of these dope ass play mats that have that beautiful logo that's on you see underneath the stream right now you can go over there and check them out and speaking of j-dubs let's hear an ad from them now j-dubs sports cards and gaming located in west acres mall in fargo is your one-stop shop for all your magic the gathering needs in the store you will find a huge selection of sleeves play mats and dice for you to personalize your battlefield with Along with having a large variety of singles in their display cases, there are also binders and boxes for you to browse through. That much selection means that you will always find something you are looking for. J-Dubs is also the place to gather to play a wide array of formats with friends in the community. There is Commander League on Thursday nights, Modern League on Saturday afternoons, and Legacy Leagues on Sunday afternoons. And who can forget Friday Night Magic every Friday evening. J-Dubs has it all, Amonkhet to Zendikar and ways to sleeve, shuffle, and spell sling. Now let's get back to the episode. And thank you, J-Dubs. All right, well, let's jump into this podcast right now and give you a breakdown of what's going to happen. So with Noah here filling in for uh, JB and Danny, we're going to jump to the Boggle Desk where I got to pull up some information super quick about this modern result, which I thought was pretty cool. Then from there, we got a couple upcoming events online that just want to remind you about. From there, we're going to jump to uh, some Watsi digital marketing hiring going on. The Beetle and Grimm information that we talked about last week has finally been given out partially. And then the biggest part of tonight's episode is going to be the Kamigawa Neon Dynasty previews that happened this last week. <laughs> I'm so excited. It all looks so good. I can't wait to see what they're going to be doing with oh, this, yeah. the, the the spirit dragons. Like knowing that there's going to be a cycle of legendary spirit dragons again. One mm. of my first introductions into magic, little side tangent here, was getting Yosei locked. Oh, gee. <laughs> In, oh, that's an introduction. That's that's super great. Welcome. Yeah, like I I, I was playing uh, blue black mill, and a buddy of mine was playing Carador. Uh, Abzan Carador yeah. and just had a whole Yosei lock going out. I'm like, oh my God, this is intense. Like it, 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 I felt that really like jump-started my, uh, my magic brain. I'm like, okay, Rock, I am going to beat you. Sorry, that is some pinnacle uh, commander circa 2013 shit right there. Yosei lock with Carador because you don't see those as often anymore. You don't. You don't. So you're going to tell me like then you start being... Your land's got getting blown up by a uh, Sylvan Primordial. Oh my god! Uh, yes, I was actually one that started to play Sylvan Primordial towards uh, the end of Sylvan Primordial's. It was so uh, cheap. It was so good. It was so good. And I'm like, I get to hit all your lands, and I get as tutor for lands. Yes, please. Yeah. I, so I think they messed up. It should have been the opponent gets a tutor for land. It, in my opinion, that's the way it should have been set up. Yeah, it's like okay, you no longer get your uh, Cabal coffers. But now instead you just get a basic forest. Yeah, something, something real simple like that would have been way better. Yeah, kind kind of like a weird, uh, not a weird, like a, a land version of what Trastodon does. You know, because yeah, yep, yep. I mean Trastodon his lands and you get a body, but like this is just like it gives, still gives him from taking. That is also a Commander twenty thirteen era card is T donning people's anything. Yeah, you don't see that shit anymore. No, you don't. It's all about efficiency. 
maybe we gotta like set up a commander 2013 party everybody make a deck that is using cards from 2013 so what 2013 was that when return to ravnica was out because uh the primordial was in gate crash so yeah let's say yeah. before cons or up to cons cons back commander decks. i'm absolutely fine with that so i can play prof of crufex again oh, oh it, my was, God. it was also so cheap profit of crufex so i good. I, I jumped onto that bandwagon late because I'm like, I'm not going to be the person that plays Profit of Crufix. And then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I like playing Profit of Crufix. Oh, yeah. And they're like, ban. I'm like, damn. It deserved it, but. It's a good card. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It needed to go. But, oh, back on uh, the breakdown here. So finishing off the news, we're going to have information about game days returning. And then from there, going to jump to the Conjured Currency se- section where we talk about magic card prices. And then an introduction or an introduction, uh, a new uh, Maiden Voyage section of the podcast. We're going to have a section called the Thoughtcast where our main man Noah here is going to take it away with giving us all some big information on foreign cards. We asked a question last week and it's going to get answered. Yeah, at least the as much as I can lie my way through it. <laughs> all right, so let's jump into the Boggle Desk here. This last weekend, yesterday, the 19th, we had the Modern Super Qualifiers happen. And oh boy... You're going to see a lot of familiar faces in this whole list, but starting us off in first place, won by JV underscore 777, we had a foot, uh, what is it? Crashcade? Crashcade. There we go. That's the word. The Crashcade. <laughs> the Crashcade deck going on here, where it's the, the typical uh, violent outburst leading into a crashing footfalls, but then they have a shardless agent as well. A single subtlety, three furies in the main board, four brazen borrowers, and four bone crusher giants. Fuck that thing. The, the fact that they're going up so high on brazen borrowers, I'm assuming probably to deal with uh, Merktide regents as a way to, to bounce those back, or even just uh, Teferis or Omnaths, just to like stop any amount of value coming off of them. Oh, yeah, and I guess if they're also backpedaling, you know, they can hard cast the the brazen borrower to block any murktides or anything gross in the air. Very true, very true. But outside of that, it does seem pretty stock main board uh, outside of the, the play set of bone crushers and brazen borrowers. Typically, I think it's only a one brazen borrower kind of a thing. Um, sideboard, nothing too special out of that. They got the extra subtlety going on in there, but they're totally respecting... Uh, Hammer time with having a whole playset of Force of Vigors in the side. They don't need to do that. Hammer time is just too aggressive probably against this because, like, what are you doing turn two? It's like turn two, you're going to be shocking something with Bone Crusher. Yeah, I guess, yeah. You know, turn two, your best bet is to shoot their Ornithopter with the Bone Crusher. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they got to have that going on there. Um, then in second place from this Crash K deck, we have the Hammer deck with uh, its Orzov hammer, but only because it has a single Thotsies in the main, and it has the remaining four in the sideboard, a single Duress in the sideboard. We're talking sideboard stuff here first, but it's, it's two, and then two Dark conf- Confidants oh, here. okay. Okay, my bet that's probably more for a control match or something when they, they need that card advantage if they're not going to be able to go fast enough. Yeah, going for the long, grindy game, and this is the uh, the Hammer Time decks that are prioritizing Ingenious Smith over some of the other strategies. Last week, in a modern challenge, we saw a Selesnia Hammer deck that was running Ancient Ooh. Stirrings. Oh, in, yep. In place of the, the infamous uh, 
ingenious Smith slot. Yeah, if you want that efficiency, and if you really need to hit land drops, it's a bit better for that. Yeah, it digs deeper too, and it hits anything as well. Like yeah, uh, it it gets you your hammer, it gets you your shadow spear, it gets you your spring leaf drum as well. Oh yeah, so yeah, but this one is also pretty stock here, having everything that you'd imagine aside from the Thoughtseize main board, Um, and then rest in the sideboard. They got the prismatic endings, so having two colors there, they're able to hit any uh, two two drop spells. Kill the rag daddy. Yeah, it's just it's goodbye, rag daddy. Then in third place, we had a Grixis uh, Luris deck, Croxa style. So this deck, this deck speaks my heart. It's the the dress down uh, Death Shadow variants running two Croxas in there oh, as well with okay. the, with the dress down because. Having a uh, on turn three a six six that attacks and makes your opponents discard cards is pretty good. Oh, and wait, are you able to then use dress down also to run it out prior to casting Croxa and then cast Croxa and then it won't immediately die? Yes, that's okay. A, that's how you get the uh, that that's it stays on the battlefield because of that. Though if you find a way to give it haste at that point, while so you cast dress down on let's say end of uh, opponent's turn two, moving to your turn three. So turn two, you cast that down because dress down sacks at the beginning of the at the beginning of the next end step. Okay. So you have it on your turn now. You cast Croxa. Both ETB triggers uh, don't happen because it loses all of its abilities. And then on turn four, when you can swing with that thing, you have a six six that now does the Croxa goodies. Just apply pressure. And with this main board, it is pretty stock Grixis running a single fatal push in the main, which. I don't know. I feel like Fatal Push has kind of been sitting the sidelines a lot of the time compared to a bunch of other a bunch of the other cards. Um, a lot of the spice comes in the sideboard. There are two Turok Dread Cantors in the side, and that is a card that's gaining in popularity due to uh, Prismatic Ending and uh, Sol- not Solitarity. Solidarity. Oh, yeah, solidarity, yeah. 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 Nope. I, was, I was about to say Subtlety, but Subtlety is the blue one. Solidarity. So two premium white removal spells, and it also dodges getting bounced by uh, three fairy. Then they get, oh, okay, I see, I see some Nile Spell Bombs, but they do not have an Urza Saga. Just had to double check there. When you see one drop <laughs> one drop artifacts, you just got to be like, oh, do they got Urza Saga in there at all just to like oh, yeah, fast yeah, 2D yeah. You start seeing those, uh, yeah, the Nihil Spell Bombs. You see the Grafdigger's Cages. Um, yes. Pithing Needles is like, eh, maybe it's time to splash for Urza. Yeah, uh, no Urza in here because it only hits uh, the two Nile Spell Bombs. But yeah. Uh, other than that, pretty stock Luris Death Shadow deck here. In fourth place, we have another Grixis Luris deck, uh, Death Shadow Dress Down. And honestly, the list is almost the exact same, except in the sideboard. Uh, they have two Alpine Moons instead of one Alpine Moon and one uh, Engineered Explosives, which is what the previous deck had. And also, this one only has one Dress Down in the side instead of two. So the first deck had... A- you can get a full place out of dress down in there. But there's that. Oh, here we go. Green whites. Is this the Selesnia hammer? It yes, is it the Selesnia hammer. As I was just mentioning about ancient stirrings, four of in the main board here. And then it runs the horizon canopy. Oh yeah. I kind of get that filtering in there and a little bit of cranial plating. And then in the sideboard, you get the access to some of the awesome green spells like veil of summer and guys blessing. Uh, this person definitely respects mill because Mill and Hammer do not get along very well. No, no. It's interesting that they're running the Kather Commando um, 
a new card from Midnight Hunt. It is a one white and the colorless is three one with flash. So it can be a, you know it's an okay decent creature. But yeah, you can pay a colorless to sack it and you know blow up an artifact or enchantment. So it's interesting that they're running that. I, I like this card a lot. It falls kind of under the same category as the what was that ambush night pack ambush or whatever. There's just, there's a green the werewolf green, that does the same thing. Yeah, it? when it but flips, yeah, but when it flips, when it attacks, it does it. But it also retains the the sack ability to hit another. So yeah. when it flips, it can do that. And I think it's green one. So I don't know if like just having the the flash ability on this makes it more important than having a, a flippable werewolf that starts. I feel that's a meta call that's like way above what I can like perceive. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if that's like, you know, if you want to push into a more aggressive deck, is that for the mirror match? I'm not really sure. Because I think it, I flip, I think that uh, Nightpack Ambusher flips over to a 3-3. Three, three. Oh, God, I don't think it's Nightpack Ambusher, but we'll, we'll keep going here. We'll keep going here. Uh, sixth place, we had an Is It Murktide deck? Is It Murktide? And this one is extremely stock compared to all the other Murktide decks that you see. You got the Dragon Rage Channelers. You got the Monkeys. You got a single Brazen Borrower. They're loving their Considers. They're Lightning Bolts, Serum Visions, Unholy Heats, Counter Spells, a single Archmage's Charm, a single Force of Negation. And then when you move into the sideboard, okay, this still blows my mind that people, there's so many decks in the sideboard that still run Jace the Mind Sculptor. And it's like, does it put you in that much of an advantage against an opponent, uh, control opponent? Like, is Jace the Mind Sculptor like what you're siding in for if you're going to be going against like a blue white white con- blue white control deck or another Murktide? I feel like another Murktide deck would be kind of bad. Eh, it bounces the Murktide. Hmm. Your thoughts? Based on my very little experience playing control, I'm not really sure. I guess it sort of gives you a card advantage. I don't know. Like, it. I don't think it's that good. For for going against another control deck, I don't think it's that good. I don't know. I guess yeah, it it blow up another Murktide or bounce another Murktide. I mean, it's it's good. I yeah, I'm not sure why it uh, why a bunch of folks need to run it though. Yeah, it's only a one up, so it's not like too big of a deal. But this uh, is it Murktide sideboard looks like it can get anything here: a uh, single Torpor Orb, single Abrade, a single Spell Pierce. One Flusterstorm, one Alpine Moon, three Engineered Explosives. Like, they are packing for a lot of different um, archetypes. It's a lot of one ofs. I think you call it an OK Cupid sideboard. <laughs> but, um, thank you. I need this. <laughs> seventh place, we had a, a four color Omnath that splashes a single black for Velky because it's a Bring to Light variant. Uh, okay. Yeah, Brink the Light kind of showing a resurgence here. Uh, the cool thing with Brink the Light and Valky is you can cast Brink the Light, which will then have Valky come out, and then you can have Valky enter on the backside as Tybalt Cosmic Imposter. This is something that we talked about a lot at the beginning of the year when that deck was really uh, showing around, and before the Cascade rules change as well, because you could Cascade into the Tybalt Cosmic Imposter with uh, Violent Outburst and stuff. Ooh, gross. Yeah. So this is, I don't know, four-color goodness and stuff that you expect in this kind of a deck. You got Supreme Verdict, Scape Shifts, Prismatic Endings, Teferi Time Ravel, Renin Six, Omnath, Locus of Creation, Try Another Elysian Groves, Three Arboreal Grazer. So just kind of a way to... Arboreal Grazer. I was recently talking to a buddy. Arboreal Grazer is like uh, a low-key hero that uh, people who hate Ragavan need to play a little more often because this just says, fuck your monkey for a long amount of time. Oh, yeah. And the rage to 
you know, screw over any of their flyers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing has reach. And, and, it can, and it, in the end, it can attack. It does not have defender. So if it comes to it, if there's any counters that get put on this thing or anything that, like, pumps a creature's power, this thing can attack. It's not stuck behind the defender text. Oh, yeah. So, like, you know, technically it can attack if there's, like, an exalted trigger on it or something like that. Yes. You know, and that's that doesn't seem completely irrelevant. I don't know what Infect looks like or some of those lists look like, but that's not horrible. It's not. It's not. And a uh, little side note with this, you don't see it a lot. Ensnaring Bridge is a card that hasn't been seen for, fuck, a long time. It's not like uh, Hardened Scales runs it, and I think the only deck that would run it was like the Urza decks and uh, the, the Simic Urza decks and Lantern, Lantern Control. They're the ones yeah, that are running. Yeah. Some Karn packages might have it in there to help like, that's the only thing is slow the game down. But, just that. Uh, yeah, but there's no Exalted Triggers here for that Arboreal Grazer. But it does have uh, Velcot, the Molten Pinnacle, in here, uh, clearly with uh, Dried of the Legion Grove, so you're dropping that, and then you're just bolting everything Ooh, to Oblivion. Burn it with fire. Uh, and then in the side, another another sideboard that looks like it's ready to attack everything. Uh, a couple of Chalice of the Void, a couple of Veil of Summer, and a Gate. Anger of the Gods, Endurance, Mystical Disputes, Unmoored Ego, Crumble to Dust. This one's interesting. Uh, do you know what Crumble to Dust is? That's one I haven't seen like very regularly. I I remember it's sort of like um, you know why don't you read it? Because yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time. Red three, sorcery, devoid, that doesn't matter here. Exile target, non-basic land. Search controller's graveyard, hand, and library for any number of cards with the same name as that land, and exile them. That player shuffles your library. So this is kind of a way to give a middle finger, I guess, to Urza Saga, I think is the only land that it's attacking. I guess, yeah. of importance. I mean, the value that Urza Saga decks gets is pretty ridiculous, so four mana just to, like, get those out of there. Makes well, sense. and the amount of, of decks and play lines that I see with Urza Saga is, yeah, sure, you want that tutor, but really creating the token is, I mean, that is one of your win conditions in Lantern. Yep. Um, It can just be really gross with just the amount of dudes you can create and how big they get, especially, like, in Affinity, where you're already dumping, once, you, you know, turn three, you've already dumped six, seven artifacts, including your lands, on the board, it feels really good to now create a 7-7 seven, seven for two mana when you have nothing to cast from your hand anyway. Exactly. Those things close out the game. They're super powerful, and it's just another access a land gives you. And lands with spells on them are super important. And then final eighth place, we have four-color goodness Omnath going on here. No black with uh, bring-to-light shenaniganery, but it is going in on abundant growths and spreading seas to like really attack the access, your opponent's land access and ramp you up as well. Uh, a couple Eldamaries call in here, so that way you can get uh, the Eternal Witness. And does this have? It does not. I see an Eternal Witness, and I'm like, oh, do they got the, the Time Walk loop? But they do not have the Time Walk loop going on here, where you just take all the turns. <laughs> but yeah, this is a Yorion version as well. Uh, so yeah, you got Ephemerates, Lightning Bolt, uh, Prismatic Endings, along with your Omnath, Eternal Witness, Furies, Solitudes, Ren and Six, T3s, and a couple Force of Negations, and a whole stack of land, 29 to be exact. No Urza Saga in this at all. Damn, that is high. Uh, oh, but I guess they are in your, they, it's a Yorion pile, so never mind. That probably makes more sense. Yep, yep, yep. Then uh, Sideboard. Uh, going against graveyard and just calling again this just seems like 
prepared for everything. Emmercool, Force of Vigor, Mystical Dispute, Knight of Autumn, Endurance, Meddling Mage, Aethergust, Veil of Summers, Relic of Progenitus, and another Lightning Bolt. But there are your top eights. Uh, I do want to just toss out the top most played cards from this whole event. There are 51 copies. 41% of decks had Expressive Iteration. There are 46 copies of Mishra's Bobble. 44% of decks had those. Prismatic Ending. There are th- 43 copies chilling around 38% of decks having them. Regavan, 42 copies. Dragon Rage Challenger, Challenger, Channeler with 40 copies. Unholy Heat at 39. Teferi Time Raveler at 38. Thought Seizes at 35. Renin 6 at 35. And Lightning Bolt at 33 in about half the decks. So really Lightning Bolt is kind of, it sounds like Lightning Bolt is coming back a little bit more uh, as a removal spell versus Fatal Push right now. Oh. Did did the data support that? I honestly, I, I don't remember if you said anything about Fatal Push, but you were mentioning earlier how Fatal Push is not seeing as much play lately. Yeah, yeah. Um, fa- a single Fatal Push was in one of the Grixis decks in fourth place and in, oh, in both third and fourth place, but only a single copy in the main and then one in the side. Um Lightning Bolt just has much more reach because they can hit Planeswalkers as well, especially when you're seeing a a world of three fairies and of Ren and Six. It's a good way to, like, not have to worry about throwing a creature in against someone's Omnath to take out a Teferi. It's just like, I'm just going to bolt that Teferi and stuff. It's like, yeah, you can't bolt in response to them activating it because Teferi kind of sucks like that. But, yeah, Lightning Bolt. Lightning Bolt. Still a powerhouse card that people play in 50% of their decks at this big challenge. But there you have... Uh, your event results. Let's go over some upcoming events for those that play online a lot. So the start of the 2022 season started for the premier play on Moto. These are the prelims, the challenges, and the mox events on Moto that we cover at the Boggle Desk a lot of the time. Uh, if being if getting if being part of a seventy thousand dollar prize purse for the mox seems appealing to you, go over there, do your bet with your best brews, and start earning QPs. We have posted the links below for the whole event schedule. And uh, yeah, if you guys start entering those, send us your lists. I'd be interested to see you. Yeah, I mean, 70K is not a horrible amount. I mean, personally, I think most people in the area need it to be 71K, but whatever. I think first place takes $30,000. Fuck, man, that'd pay off all my student loans. Yeah, oh. yeah I think first place, it's either 30 or 20,000. Uh, and then the rest gets like split between the rest of the yeah yep but But, yeah that's uh you know that's easily a nice car yeah it is good down payment on all that down payment on a house thirty thousand dollars on a house that's pretty nice oh yeah and that's a good down payment i mean this week in life talk (laughs) but don't worry arena players we have some events for you here's a reminder that the arena decathlon is currently going on until january 1st this multi-format event can get you prizes such as packs and tokens to get entered into the arena decathlon finals that are taking place thursday january 8th this week's events for the week of the christmas week are Innistrad crimson vow tradition crimson vow traditional phantom draft and new player decks not 100 positive what that means but those are going from the 21st to the 23rd zendikar rising phantom bot draft and historic artisan 
events will be going on from the 24th to the 26th. Each entry costs 2,000 in gold or 400 in gems. And then check out the link below for the full article because it tells you about like the prize pack support. Like depending on what event you play, you'll get packs corresponding to that event. If you're playing a historic event, you'll get some packs that are relevant for historic. Okay. Or if you're playing in an alchemy event, which they'll have, you'll get you can get alchemy packs and so on. So look in the links below for that information. That's a good way to do it then too. That way you're not entering Zendikar sealed and then getting Zendikar packs when you don't need anything from Zendikar. Right, right. It's a good way to distribute that, I'd say. And yeah, I like it. What are your thoughts? Quick side note here, side tangent, alchemy. We know how Danny and JB feel about alchemy. I haven't played Arena in probably like two months. It's okay. I'm not crazy about it especially because apparently it's going to modify historic cards, which I don't think that's correct. You know, if you want a, if you want a, a format that you can fiddle around with, okay, cool. Not crazy about it. Fine. Do that. But then don't take those cards that you're now fiddling around, retesting cards. You already messed up because fire, because of fire design and then modify historic cards, create, I don't know, synthesis, which would be a mix of historic and alchemy. There, that way, you can Ooh, modify everything. Look at that. You know, um, and if, if people want to play with that, they can. I don't think it'll be very successful. I think people will stick to historic, but that's my take on it. When it comes to historic, especially, like historic is the arena version of modern, and people like that competitive play that historic can give you. I guess I can't say it's completely that because with Jumpstart, you got those. I forget about the Jumpstart digital car, digital only cards too. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, and you have access to like some cards on Arena that are in Historic that don't exist in the real world already, I guess. I'm mostly thinking about like there's, you know, when you get this this starter deck, the white starter deck has like this six drop guy where whenever you play a creature with power two or less, you draw a card. Yeah, it does Men are the Meek without having to pay for it. Yep, yep. And it's not limited like Welcoming Vampire of once per turn. Why isn't that? in actual commander product yet i don't know but yeah yeah in the end i do know that this seems like a very definitive like line in the sand that alchemy is its own client and paper is its own like client yeah stuff like you i feel people that are like arena's not paper it's like yeah i think that's the point they don't want arena to be paper because if they have two different things that appeal to a wider variety of people you know it's like they're they're raking in more money than, and then that's what they want. They want more money. And it's like, if they have different things, it's like, you don't see Coca-Cola just coming out with classic Coke all the time. They got Coke zero. They got cherry Coke and all that stuff. And there's like, oh, Coke. Not yeah, Coke yeah. and stuff. And so I don't know. weird analogy is weird, but like it, it, it's that arena is its own thing. And people should just like, understand that though, like the, the line is now severed alchemy. It should be like that severing line that, if anybody wasn't caught up on or looking at it, it's like, okay, arena is arena. I can't even compare it to like paper magic anymore. And paper magic is paper magic. Yeah, pretty much. It's it's kind of like a, I mean, they're diversifying their assets, but I kind of see it as a, a divorce, but that um, online basically got, got standard and then paper gets standard on the weekends. And that's how their divorce agreement settled. They're just different things. Which is kind of a bummer because it's supposedly kind of supposed to be a way to help if you don't have an LGS or to help bring in people towards paper because they still make most of their money in paper. Yep, yep, yep. But 
Well, I mean, I can still see it as 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 a way. It's like you know, people are playing online in like arena open events or something like the the Cathalon and stuff. And it's like, oh, this competitive play is pretty good. I wonder what paper's like. And of course, there's going to be like a, a, a disconnect between competitive arena play and competitive paper play because arena just it's just not what paper is. No, especially no. if someone's going to be used to playing uh, Davriel and stuff. Yeah. Yep. But. Or any of the new alchemy cards, the the put four lightning bolts in your deck alchemy card. That thing is so cool. <laughs> Little side note, love that card. Like, I mean, we have Garth One Eye who sorta of does some of that stuff already. I'm not saying we should do a lot of that, but paper does have some of those online only mechanics. God, what podcast was I listening to? I listened to so much. It was, was it uh, Goldfish or was it the Dive Down where they were talking about how hard would it actually be? No, I was neither. Who the fuck was it? It was a magic podcast I listened to. I listened to a lot. But they were talking about how, how hard would it be just to be like uh, the card that conjures four lightning bolts into your deck. How hard would it be to have like a side set of cards of like eight lightning bolts so when that attacks, you just shuffle them into your deck. And it does like the same concept of putting them into like conjuring lightning bolts into your deck. Yeah, I don't know, especially if you're shuffling them into your deck. Because um, my, I mean, my initial thought is, okay, cool. You know, in paper, produce tokens with lightning bolts on it. But now we'd have to look at the backs of the cards. Well, and then once we start dealing with, okay, well, now they'd have to have the backs of the cards. You could still modify the front and call it lightning bolt. You'd have to do something like that. Because if it was exactly lightning bolt, well, then someone could deck check you and you could be like, well, yep, I put four in due to my effect. I'm only supposed to have, you know, I was already running two in my main. Well, then why are we seeing three? You know, I, I don't know. I could see some some issues. Right. But what if this is just like alchemy is a way for them to like, ha- wizards to have another outlet of how to test cards to put into paper. Like yeah, what they do with fair. like, un- with like what they do with the unsets and stuff. Like yeah. there's mechanics in- from unsets. And this was something that was mentioned. God, I, I really got to remember what the fuck that podcast oh, is. Uh, uh, what? Do you listen to the masters of modern? Cause I feel like they mentioned was that on, on the there. masters of modern that we're talking I about. I think that? like last week they talked about that. Okay. If that's the case, it was masters of modern. Kess Wiley, go check them out. Like one of my, Top five all favorite time magic podcasts. If you're listening to us, you should definitely be listening to them more than us. Yeah, and they used to be, I believe, still are a sister podcast, the Command Zone. So if you like Command Zone's product, you know they they used to endorse them all the time because they used to share the same uh, hosting site. Yeah, I don't even know how that works out. I don't think they you go to collectedcompany.com or whatever more. No, they were both on Rocket Jump, there and then go, they Rocket hopped Jump. over to Collected Company, and then I believe they. I don't think Command Zone is on Collected Company at all anymore, and I believe they are moving off of Collected Company as of like a month or two ago. Oh, okay, makes sense. But, they're they're becoming bigger than what Wizards w- w- would ever expect. Yeah, like they they are everything that Magic encompasses to all the, the the Commander players. Yeah, and they do a really good job of, of oh, talking about things 100%. and being, I don't know, just good hosts. Yeah, Jimmy, Josh, they're just they make great a content. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, they they they're always hiring, and you know, they, I don't know. They 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 run their own production company out, and it's solely focused on magic. And they made magic cool. Yeah, yeah. It, it's basically it. They got the likes of uh, Posty, fucking getting into magic, and that like. Oh yeah. Boosted so much of. Their theme song is by Post Malone. <sighs> I know that's so cool. He's like, you want it? Yeah, sure. We're not going to say no to having you know one of the top 
current modern artist doing our theme song. Post Malone, great guy. He seems like a good guy in all the fucking videos. But all right, uh, let's go to an ad break, or not an ad break, a music break (laughs) right there. And then we will jump back into the news. Well, there's our music break, everybody. Now let's jump into some news here. Perfect. And I will go ahead and take over this. So the first up on the list is Wizards of the Coast is hiring a digital marketing team. Uh, We got some Wizards of the Coast business updates from December 13th. On that day, they quote, uh, appointed Resolution Digital as its digital planning and buying agency with an integrated cross-state client team following a competitive procurement process. Uh, the breakdown on what this means is the company Resolution Digital uh, got hired to be uh, Watsi's digital strategy and planning team for the Australian and New Zealand markets. Uh, Resolution Digital is a company based in Pyrmont, spelled P-Y-R-M-O-N-T. I don't know how to sound out any Australian names. Like, I know Perth, and I only know Perth as a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just going to skip trying to do an Australian accent to try to say that. Um, New New South Wales, Australia, and they are a digital consultation company that works to help their clients in the digital landscape to get a better, to get a great uh, ROI or return on investment. Wow, that's a lot of corporate words there. It is. It is. So when it comes to a lot of this corporate stuff that involves Watsi, I just got to like put the, put this in here for Big G because I know he's a shareholder <laughs> of Hasbro and stuff. And oh, I'm yeah. like, oh, I see something that could definitely impact uh, share prices. Big G. I don't know if you heard about this, but here's this news for you. Well, and that is like good news that honestly, I don't, you know, most people are looking at cards and what they do and other people's opinions. So this is good, like really overall view of the company. Right. And, and just testing out something like this in New Zealand, Australia region, like who's to say that, you know, we're not going to get something like this, like maybe resolution, 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 digital, digital. digital. Yep. resolution, digital is not going to like become bigger and come to America or like they do business with American or European client, uh, parts of wizards and stuff. But yeah. Yep. No, that's a good idea. Well, now, next in the news, we have some information on the Beetle and Grimm Kamigawa Platinum Edition product and what it will contain. Last Thursday, they posted just a few of the items that will be in their Platinum and Silver Edition products. First off, the two different bundles are going to be different prices. The Platinum is $500 for their Platinum Woo! bundle. We'll get get into the contents here shortly, but then their Silver Edition is 250 Half the price. That's not as bad. That's like that's like a, a, a master's box, isn't it? That's usually what master's boxes end up coming out yeah, at. Yeah, yeah. And so I got to free ball this here because I did not finish typing up these notes fully. In a Polygon article that happened, that, that was released, uh, talking about all the stuff that you get inside this box. Have you seen? And it's not a box. It's a backpack. So it's we a were, backpack? It's a backpack. So 
last week we were predicting what it would be and we were definitely saying like uh maps of the region and mm-hmm. there would be like custom dice and i think a mew god i can't remember i'd have to listen back i think Mew was saying something about like tech boxes and sleeves and uh, we were we were all about like different stories so in the platinum edition the well it's 4.99 plus tax and stuff but you get Kamigawa inspired products. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, let me pull this. Over I don't know if so it's five hundred dollars cool, but it's cool. So you get. They only have the one picture of the backpack here, which is a black backpack with like uh, neon pink accents and the Beatles and Grim, Beatles and Grim, and uh, magic symbol down in the bottom corner of it. It doesn't like have a picture of what the backpack looks like open yet. Yeah, or even like a side profile because it looks pretty square. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I'd describe that that pink neon outline as being like a a curve meant to look like a mountain or a hill, and then five beams radiating out towards the edge of the backpack, looking like sunlight. Yeah, and it does look like on the straps, like there's a little bit of pink there. Again, there's no side profile. It's only yeah. the one picture that I've been able to find since they released everything. Uh, also, side note, uh, they can't release all the digital or all the all the pictures and stuff of it yet because apparently it contains spoilers to the set that hasn't been fully spoiled yet yeah so uh not only will we get a backpack but there's also going to be two different deck boxes like the i don't know faux leather deck boxes is what it looks like did you ever get one of those faux leather no, ones but that the had ones the mana that symbols th- on them oh yeah the, there's the mana symbol ones the, and then there's the also the um uh the guild ones yeah yeah they're real too. they're real popular so it looks it looks like it would be like that and it's of a uh demon samurai on them in blue there's a little stuffy cyber raccoon that you see on uh, kaito's shoulder in the card which we'll yeah. be covering in the next section here that's story related and it's really cool yeah that's the kami of the spark oh yeah i, I heard they were talking about that in in the uh the weekly mtg and i'm like a kami of the spark there's a kami of planeswalker sparks it's also a robot and it becomes a mask and that and that's how Cato can planeswalk. I need to fucking read this. Yeah, you need to now. read it because yeah, the story has other good content and a lot of shout, shout outs to people. So in this backpack, they give us a list of everything else that you can find in here. So the current list is you get a demon theme, lightning blue deck box, a hundred gold dragon sleeves. I don't think those are dragon shield sleeves. They're just gold dragon. Oh, okay. I'm like, okay. So just to clarify. There's an LED playmat. They haven't shown what the LED playmat oh, looks like. Oh, what's that going to look like? I know. Uh, in my head, in my head, when they say LED, like maybe there would be like a little life counter like that you can like tick. Like that seems like a very reasonable bare minimum of, well, I guess bare minimum would be like LED light just around it. See, that's what I'm imagining. Kind of like people have like, I mean, I guess you don't have it with your keyboard, but yeah, you know, when they have like the colored lights around it, think about having foils on something like that. Ooh, that's a good fucking call. Foils on an LED playmat. So you're going to get that. You're going to get a Kamigawa art card folio, a Kamigawa world map. Counted that. We got that. We guessed that, right? That'll be interesting because there, there actually is a world map for Kamigawa that already exists. You'd have to dig for it, but it, it actually already exists. I, okay. I want to touch something here real quick. I'm pretty sure we'll cover it again in the, the big section. But did you know that the story of Kamigawa, Saviors, Champions, and Betrayers, like that took place in the past? When that yes. set when that set came out, it wasn't current time Kamigawa. It was telling stories of the past. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, and actually, that I haven't read the books, but I, I'm a huge Vorthos person. So, like, yeah, it takes place in the past because 
Um, let's see the the Honden of Knight's Reach. So that the the Kami of Knight's Reach actually has the ability to planeswalk. Oh. And it made, if I remember correctly, it made a deal with Toshiro Umazawa and gave him some powers. Um, but then to punish him for something, it planeswalked him to Dominaria. So then later on, um, on so the, that's how he got to Dominaria. Yeah, that's how he got to Dominaria. Um, and then one of his descendants, and I don't remember which Umizawa was, not to Dominaria, the set, the the latest set yet, but um, it's the one three uh, Umizawa where creatures with power or toughness one or less can't be blocked. Yeah, and that, that was Umizawa. the first mortal to kill kill Bolas, but Bolas had oh, no, put that, his that spirit Tetsuya. into Te- Oh yeah, Tetsuko. No, Tetsuko Tetsuya. It was multicolored and old. It was the Grixis one from Legends. Yes. Because uh, he outsmarted Nicol Bolas. I do remember this story because I thought it was so cool. He was just a mortal that outsmarted Nicol Bolas and kill, like, killed him in Nicol Bolas' meditation realm. And that's how he did it. Like he, yeah. he got Nicol Bolas to go to the meditation realm and killed the dragon's body straight up. And then Nicol Bolas is like, I'm just a ghost. I can't do shit. Yeah. No. And yeah, that's basically what happened. And then, of course, later on down the line, they made a reference to it with... Uh, Whatever the the last Dominaria block, I think it was Tetsuko. Or yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was that blue one that's creature power, one or less. Yeah, so that's that's that line. And actually, all of these books are really cheap online. There, you can go to like a books and get them for like five dollars a pop. I might have to do this. Uh, it's on my list of shit to do because they're. This was back when like magic stories were written well, so they're probably worth you know. You know, a night read instead of, you know, burning out your eyes on your phone, you could just Preach read it. the book in, in real life. And then when the world goes to hell, you know, you have some kindling. Also on this list, there is a Kamigawa metal counter set. Uh, I'm assuming that's like the dice or, or oh, no, 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 no. The metal counter, they're these little chips. They rose a picture uh, on Twitter. I'll pull that up here real quick and see if I can find that. So kind of like the, the paper counters that come in the commander like product do you remember seeing those like wooden uh arrows that had neg one plus one and stuff and you flip them over or neg one neg one and then you flip them over and be plus one plus one counters kind of like that where it'd be like it's a plus one counter it's a loyalty counter like they're like oh it's pe- not a life counter it's a token representing a game state it's yes. a p pe- a game piece gotcha they look like they made a pewter or bro- oh. bro- or bronze so uh there was a picture of that there's a demon mask necklace, no picture of that. The sidekick plutch, which we just told you about, which is that cyber raccoon, which is Kami of, the Kami of the Spark. Uh, the exclusive black and neon pink neon dynasty themed backpack, a Kami themed neon pink deck box, have not seen that one. A hundred black dragon sleeves, a sword adorned card vault. Uh, there was a picture of that that has neon pink accents on it, and it's like a, a 1,000 count uh bcw box but like uh i don't know uh the archive like uh ultimate guard yeah yeah it looks like it's going to be to that degree of quality not cardboard and stuff Mm -hmm. clearly because it's 499 dollars but i could be wrong sorry you started out with sword and immediately i got mall ninja shit popping into my head (laughs) i mean like oh you went and partied i studied the art of the blade of magic the gathering there's going to be a kamigawa wall art poster Five lithographic art prints, an in-world guide to Kamigawa, and an art-inspired life counter. This one was also shown. It has the uh, demon head 
on a stand and where the helmet is is where the light like in the front there is where yeah. the life total shows and you can twist it to adjust the life and it's a oh, it's cool. a metal life counter so you get all of that for their uh platinum edition and see i could see you know because it has like two deck boxes and stuff i could see people going you know splitting that 50 50 or doing like a 70 30 oh, split for sure you know that that makes a little more sense yeah, uh, and then you just have to like duke it out for the backpack, and I, yeah. it depends on the backpack quality. It definitely depends on the backpack quality. and how much it holds, and if it's anything like those, I think it's like the Ammonite or like the shell backpacks that are pretty popular that oh, I think yeah, Ultimate yeah, yeah. Guard produces. Yeah, th- those things are like what two hundred dollars for the backpack? No, I think they're cheaper than that. Were they? All I know is I could get one for like eight hundred tickets on the prize wall i think they're worth like 100 150 bucks okay so they're not un oh, unrealistic I, but. i'm gonna guess then what i'm remembering was when they first released because these shell pack packs are pretty new they came out like just before covid right no they would have come out probably at least uh at least in 2019 and i'm pretty sure it was like a year or two prior to 2019 oh okay well, um, then i am fucking crazy but they they were kind of hard to find. And I know they did a re-release with them in red. And I think that's the current version you can get. Oh, okay. But. Uh, so then along with the Platinum Edition, there is the, oh, here's the, here's the Kellens. Yep. Oh, yeah, you're right. They look like an, like an old Chinese style coin, you know, with, you know, where it's a circle with a, a hole in the center. Yeah. They, okay. The, the, I'm assuming pewter painted bronze and stuff uh, in the most cheapest way. But yeah. Oh, so yep. Reach, Vigilance, and trample tokens well hey if for, sorry if they're bringing those tokens back is keyword counters going to be another theme of this set because if they're they're bringing them into this product i don't know why you'd bring that in if you didn't expect to put that in the actual set i think keyword counters were something that uh mark has gone on to mention of being like a good chance to be like evergreen kind of a thing to happen not just yeah. something that you're going to see in aquaria there's so much play to it the silver edition, they didn't have it here. Okay, so the silver edition pretty much has half that. You don't get, uh, you don't get the gold deck box or the the blue deck box, the sleeve, the playmat. You don't get the f- card folio, and you don't. I think you get the plushie. You don't get the necklace, and like yeah, you you just like lose five things. You still get the backpack with the, the silver edition, but it's the same things, just like minus five, six things. Yeah, well, then I then I really am curious what that quality on that backpack is, because yeah, you know, if it's good and it holds stuff well and it you know is pretty secure, wouldn't be a bad idea for someone wanting to you know rock two or three, correction, probably like six or seven commander decks to commander night, you I, know, keep it all together in one unit so you're not switching out stuff. I do hope when they say what you'll find inside. Like, I don't know if that means that everything can fit inside this backpack for a Platinum Edition. So it's like, if you look at everything that's in the Platinum Edition, if it fits into the backpack, I mean, that's kind of a good size representative, right? You get a, yeah, an yeah, archive you get an archive box that fits in there. You get two deck boxes, a bunch of, I'm assuming, rolled up paper for the, for the maps. You get a card folio. Uh, it doesn't say the size if it's like a three-page or a four-page kind of mm-hmm. a thing. Uh, and a stuffy... You get uh, sleeves and tokens. I don't know. I, th- I think that's a pretty good size. Like I'm looking at my messenger bag over there. I, I probably can't be no bigger than that, and that's a fine size. I could fit a crap ton in there. Oh yeah, yeah you definitely can. Oh yeah, because I see. Yeah, you can stack. Yeah, I should probably do something like that. I'm using 
a backpack that's also my gym bag. It's not designed for this. (laughs) But there's the Beetling Grim uh, updates. Pre-orders are going on now until the release. Oh, uh, also, if you pre-order now before the end of the month, you get 10% off your order. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, then if you're going for what the more expensive one's $500, right? 50 bucks off. Yeah, 50 bucks off, you know, that makes it way more realistic. At least that helps pay for shipping because you're going to have to pay for shipping on this. Yes. Which I guess that depends what where you're shipping it to, but I imagine people be paying probably 20 bucks for shipping. Oh, yeah. For something like this, there's no way that it's not going to be like a $20 shipping. It's going to be heavy as fuck. Yeah. I mean, look at how much they charge you for secret layers if you don't buy $100 <laughs> worth of them. Yeah. So let's see. Uh, the physical launch of this is going to be February 18th. That's when they're going to start getting sent out. So you have time to get your pre-orders and stuff in. Links down below to get into there. And with that, Noah, you want to take us away with the, the biggest part of tonight's topics? Yeah, absolutely. So we're moving on to uh, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty information and spoilers. So last week was, which is the coast. Uh, dropped a bunch of the Kamigawa Neon Dynasty information on their weekly MTG stream. Uh, there's a lot to go over here. Kamigawa Neon Dynasty is a set that is built on the story of the set, primarily. So they're really going to be focusing on the story in this one. Um, I typed things up bad, I apologize. No, that's fine. <laughs> um, as opposed to some other sets where the the, the focus of the, the story is more secondary, yeah, they go um, for like it. Strixhaven, where like, yeah, it's there. Yes, there's characters doing stuff, but it's it's more of, hey, Wizards School. This is going to be more focused on the story, so I'd imagine there'd be more story spotlight cards. Some really good flavor text. Yeah, Some probably flavor. lots of really good flavor text. So yeah, uh, using Strixhaven as an example, like Strixhaven seems more of like a mechanical-based set. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to think, like, what's a good example of, like, a story-based set? Like, Dominaria. That was a very, uh, the Return to Dominaria was a pretty big story-based set of, like, oh, we found out what happened to Teferi and Jorahs and stuff's going on here. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, like, more, it's probably more like that, where it's more like, hey, referencing all these old characters. Yes. That's what I'm and, picturing and here. That would make more sense. That's what I'm picturing. So, w- with that, compared to, like, what Strixhaven is. Because, I don't know, to me, Strixhaven has story, but it's, like mechanically based yeah no it's very much pick your collagen and be happy with it (laughs) um so let's see so keep you know keeping that in mind uh as the set progresses with previews and other details so starting so starting all the information we have at the moment let's talk about the good stuff first uh the previews on the stream we were shown the newest planeswalker in the set kaito shizuki who is a blue black and one colorless uh for a legendary planeswalker uh, he has a static ability of at the beginning of your end step, if he entered the battlefield this turn, he phases out. So he'll only ever do this once. Uh, in, 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 most folks will probably listen to understand phasing, but phasing is not re-entering the battlefield. It's simply re-existing. Imagine, uh, imagine like turning a light on and off. You know, light, yeah. light on, it's on. Light on, it's not. And then you turn the light back on. Yep, yep. Uh, he has a plus one of draw a card, then discard a card unless you attacked this turn so kind of like a um uh never mind uh a neg two of create a one one blue ninja creature token with this creature can't be blocked and an ultimate of neg seven you get an emblem with whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player search your library for a blue or black creature card put it onto the battlefield then shuffle 
at first glance, this seems like it'll fit well into, you know, any blue-black ninja rogue aggro style decks. Uh, there will be a few variants of these cards found in the set. The Okay, yeah, then we got to go into the, the different printings. Uh, the normal printing, a ninja frame variant. Uh, imagined, imagine the fanged crimson from uh, Crimson Vow. Uh, so, you know, that's just a different frame. Uh, yeah, when, yeah. When, when I was saying that, like you, in the uh, Crimson Vow fanged for the, all the vampires, like it, it looks sharp and stuff in, in the corners. Like the, it looks very similar to that. And that's what it made me think of for their. Okay, I get you. Yep. Yep. But yeah, you know, as usual, they're they're doing another different type of frame. Uh, but this looks really cool because it's going to be sort of a Shinto shrine, uh, if you know what those look like. If, if you imagine, if you've ever been to a Chinese food joint and you see the kind of looks like an H, that's a, uh, on the wall. That's the Shinto shrine look. And, and that's what they kind of look like. Uh, but Kato was not the only card that was released from Kamigawa. Let's introduce uh, a card from a new cycle of Legendary Dragons. So they're coming back. Uh, at, su- at Sushi. That name's great. At that's Sushi. A- uh, that's probably not pronounced correctly, but... That seems like a good Twitter handle. Honestly, that's a <laughs> uh, hashtag at Sushi. Um, where's my California roll? Uh, the Blazing Sky for double red. The and Volcano two Sky. You get a 4-4 legendary creature dragon spirit with flying and trample. So it's a good, strong, aggressive creature. Uh, Its ability is when it dies, you get to pick one. Exile the tapped cards to your library until the end of your next turn. You may play those cards or create three treasure tokens. Yeah, no, I I mean, it's it's pretty, I mean, it's just a pretty solid card. Um, It's just everything that a red card wants to do. Notice on the first dies trigger, it's like you may play those cards. You can play lands off that. Sorry, I'm thinking about the treasure tokens and, and how I can turn it into a combo. Yeah, you're getting three treasures. Three yeah. treasures. That's three lotus petals, man. There's got to be a way to recur it and sack it for three mana and create infinite ETB and LTB triggers. In like just a mono red deck? Or would you be like... I'm thinking in Commander. Oh, um, in Commander, you could definitely go like black and you can have something like uh, a Micaeus Undying kind of a thing where it gets sacked comes back with a counter and then you can figure out a way to remove the counter with um what's the thing that removes like plus one counters and that way you can keep like the percent oh i mean you can have if you go into mardu you have not containment priest the vizier of remedies vizier of remedies doesn't get counters on it and so that just keeps coming back and yeah yeah there's definitely i mean anytime you're making free mana there's going to be ways to break it and if you go into red blue, you can have Gishath, which well, a lot of blue spells make artifacts tap for colored mana. Like you can have Urza that now taps those instead of sacking them for any colored mana. You yeah. can tap for blue, and it just gives you. It's just like cool. Now three, three free mana rocks. Yeah. Now okay. Now I'm stuck in the. And then you got Goldspan Dragon, which will turn that three mana into six mana. Well. You know, this wouldn't be bad. I, I have a Cedrus EDH deck that is just simply classic reanimator. And yeah, this really wouldn't be bad to, you Cedrus know. Cedrus the Tiger King? Yeah, yeah. Grixis, like the original. Yeah. Uh, I cut out all combos out of it. And it's just really just beautiful, classic reanimator. Yeah, it wouldn't be bad in there because, yeah, if it dies, then I can pay three mana next turn and unearth it. And then if I can blink it, it won't be bad. Uh, what else is there then? Okay, so yeah, it'll be good in commander. 
don't know. Do you think it'll see any play in modern or, or any of those other formats? Yes. It's a four mana four, four with flying and trample and both abilities are good. It's like if, if this thing gets fatal pushed in modern, like you get a, okay, fatal push. Now I can essentially draw two cards or I make three mana that can now cast three lightning bolts or something in red. Like, yeah, yep. This thing will get seen play. Like four is a high curve, but I feel like the bar that this thing is setting at four mana is it's good. Like it's going to beat ass. And when it dies, you're getting good things for it. It's like, you're getting value all around the card for this. And you can do it like you could drop it on turn three if you go. <laughs> I got a gruel mindset going on right now, but like if you oh, have yeah. like ignoble hierarch or any kind of like one drop mana dork, you can go to the uh, the one three four play and stuff and have a four drop on turn three. And this on turn three doesn't seem too bad. No, I mean it has flample, so it's gonna get its damage in. Um, and you know it dodges bolt, and you're perfectly fine with uh having this thing go toe-to-toe with an omnath oh god yeah no fuck omnath yeah if this thing goes to ba- if this thing blocks an omnath like you're dying it's dying that's fine but the value again that you're getting from this thing dying is good wait does omnath have reach no no you have to oh they okay have to they'd be swinging you. gotcha yeah. gotcha it can't, it can't yeah, you'd make that trade you'd, you'd make that trade make every that tra- time all the time so what else do we got here uh the next card is actually a returning character from uh, Kami Goes Past. If anybody remembers the mono-red uh, Oni, which is a demon, uh, Heartless Hidexugu, uh, which was a creature where you could tap it and everybody loses half their life, you included, uh, he's coming back in a new form as Hidexugu Devouring Chaos. Uh, for one black and three colors, you get a 4-4 legendary creature, Ogre Demon, with two abilities. Uh, the first is... Pay a black, sack a creature, scry two. The second is uh, pay a red and two colorless, tap it to exile the top card of your library. Sorry, so some card advantage there. You may play that card this turn. When you exile a non-land card this way, uh, Hidetsugu Devouring Chaos deals damage equal to the exiled card's mana value to any target. Yeah, so this already is going to look really powerful. So, okay... This is where the the commander bullshit might mind goes. Okay, so you're probably going to be taking some... If I were to build this, I'd look up Eureka's EDH, EDH rec data for high-cost things that are actually cheap. So that's like some De- removal spells. Delve. Um, delve spells, things like that. So you want that. but So that's a lot of damage. However, an important thing to note is that Heartless Hidexu is the one dealing the damage. So you give him infect... <sighs> A and, man after my own heart. <laughs> yeah, so you're just talking about effect. You give him in effect, and hopefully, I mean, I don't know if there's a whole lot of ten drops out there, but yeah, I don't know. That'd be some kind of bullshit you could pull. Um, oh, that's so easy to do. I mean, even outside of that, like you can. It's not. A, oh, it is a tap. I was about to say, it's not a tap. The first one's not a tap where you scry to. The second one is a tap. Yeah. But with something like that, like top deck manipulation is going to be a thing. Like since it's divining top or any kind of. Um, I was going to say brainstorm, but then you got to have blue. For for stuff like that, yeah. So you don't get you don't get that. Kind but of you advantage, got black. You had a lot of scrying. You got like vamp tutor that puts things on top of your library and stuff. Like you tutor for any card, so you could just tutor up for your big uh, murderous cut. If murderous cut is what six and a black, yeah, that's seven damage that it deals. Yeah, so just, I got to reread it. Does it do damage to everybody, or no? It's just one random target, isn't yeah, it? To, uh, to any target, so you can hit a creature, you can hit a player, and stuff like that. 
don't know. Top deck manipulation in uh, Rakdos seems pretty solid. And then the fact that you, it, it feeds into itself to like set up as well. It's like sack a creature, scry to, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, so for four mana, you scry to and then dome somebody and then you get to play that card. No, go ahead, go ahead. All right, that's pretty much it. So, oh, see, I'm, the real crux is going to be how many creatures can you create? Because it is a sack outlet, but it's not a free outlet. And you do want it to be doing sacrifice. So are you looking at then uh, some repeatable guys like Reassembling Skeleton and that uh, group of characters? Are you more looking at, um, it's a, he's a four drop, right? Yeah, black three. Yeah, so, you know, are you looking at, you know, uh, God, Endric Sar as creating a bunch of, you know, Ooh, the thralls, thralls that you want to get rid of anyway because they're yeah gross. I mean, uh, one mana it's not bad. Like if you have something like um, Frexian Tower, Frexian Altar to like be making that black mana, sacking a creature like Frexian Tower gets you double black. So then the other black can go pay for the second, pay towards the second ability and stuff, and you're just sacking a thrall, so you can still make thralls. And then you got um, what's the snake one that just that's coming out in the Commander uh, Commander Black series in January. Oh, Ophiomancer. Ophiomancer. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, and that's, yeah. That's just free token value that you're going to be sacking. It's like, yeah, you got to pay a Black, but Black has no problem. You got Cabal Coffers or Borg combos, interactions Ooh, and stuff. Well, that, like, so and like, even if you're just, you know, you need to dig or your hand is crap, you know, you can just, especially with that Ophiomancer, yeah, just keep scrying and digging for tutoring the hard way, you know. Hey, man, people do it. Yeah. People do it. That's how it gets done. That's how shit gets done. <laughs> a lot of blood's going to have to be spilled, but you're going to get there eventually. We're, we're playing uh, Commander 2013. <laughs> yeah, let's let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, what else is there to do? Okay, sorry. Each time I close my phone, it resets on me. Oh, no, that's fine. Yeah, so, and, and with uh, Heart, well, with uh, Hidetsugu Devouring Chaos, which actually the reason why he's still alive it's because in the original story, he absorbed a uh, his patron demon. So he's he's the ogre, but he absorbed the patron demon, and that's why he's still alive. Yeah, that's why he's alive for a th- over a thousand years now. Yeah, because this is what twelve thousand years from when the champions' story started to where we are Something now like in that, the yeah. dynasty. Yeah, yeah. Which with him though, uh, back to the actual cardboard. They also did another special treatment. So if you thought there was, it's going to be like um, Modern Horizons 2, man. There's going to be special treatments for everything. This special treatment variant is called Neon Ink and is only, oh, never mind. Apparently it's only for him. It's only for uh, yeah. Hitetsugu to variant only Chaos. Only for him. That's, I wonder why. Uh, Neon Ink is a forming process that makes the card feel like it's glowing in one of four colors, yellow, blue, green, and red. Three of these Neon Ink Hitetsugus will be found in collector boosters at a rate of less than 1%. The three colors are blue, green, and red. Between these three, blue uh, blue will be more likely to be found than green is more rare than blue, with red being the rarest of the three found in uh, collector's boosters. With the yellow Hitetsugu, this one will be available as a promo card through uh, WPM Premium LGSs. So... Uh, locally, I believe the premium one in town is Paradox. Yep, that's the only one in the yeah. FM area. Uh, I can't speak for else places, but you can go to the the, the Watsi, uh store locator, and they'll have the 
search tab for premium stores in your area if you want to get them. But I got to pull up here. Have you seen what the the no. neon foil looks like? Like the, uh, on uh, in the link below, click it. I highly recommend it because they're showing the yellow Hidetsugu in the neon ink form, and they're kind of like moving it a, a typical foil so that way you can like see how the foil pops and stuff. Because um, the pictures, the uh, the digital assets that they that you see online, do not do justice of what the 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 video is showing right now. Hey, yellow may not be one of the colors of magic, but damn, it looking real good. I know, I know. I saw these, and I am kind of excited for the fact. Um, have you heard people's talks about what this kind of like uh, compares to? And stuff like Watsy, what Watsy's doing with the neon ink compared to like other card games and stuff. No, I haven't. You yeah. wanted... So uh, apparently in the sports cards realm, there this this is a common thing that they do where there is one card with three different colors and different rarities of the color. Let's get him a mic so he, he has he apparently has opinions about this too. Yes. He's like, ah so much neon. But yeah, so in the sports world, uh, they have cards with different colors and foiling and stuff, but like low limited qualities. And people are already speculating that these are going to be like a crap ton. So again, for those uh, of these four colors, like yellow is going to be the most common that you're going to see like in the markets. Blue will be the next. And then green is going to be more rare. And then the red is going to be the ultimate rare of rare neon ink foils from for only this Hidetsugu. There's no other neon ink cards coming out that are going to be this. It's only the Hidetsugu. I wonder why they decided on this, and especially only one card, and why this card specifically. It seems like a good way to test this out, you know, see what the, the market response is. Like, I guess, yeah. I feel like the move like this closely resembles what they did with the backwards Visser Seer and the number count. Backwards Visser Seer. Yeah, oh, oh, okay. So in the... Yeah, what was that? I, I faintly remember. In the uh, uh, reports, w- reports were coming on- online that the Phyrexian Praetors, Secret Lair, the bonus card that you get in the back could be a one of 100 backwards printed Visser Seer and they're stamped, they're stamped in the art so that way you know it's like one of 100. Oh, jeez, that's cool. So they got like serialized cards and now they got like color rare cards that are already like at an extremely low print at less than one percent in collector boosters collector boosters are the only place that you can find these yeah of course so you got to spend twenty dollars on a booster and you have a less than one percent chance to pull one of these and each rarity is at whatever pull rate the the color is already so a less than one percent of a chance to get a red one is already like they didn't give a number like what the pull rate is at the red but definitely less than one percent of a chance like you're more likely to be pulling the blue <laughs> in a collector booster and the blue is cool okay in my humble opinion yellow and the green look real cool and neon red it looks cool but it te- i think it kind of ends up mixing with some of the red elements in the back of the art so it's not as distinct it doesn't pop out as much uh the blue one looks quite cool but once again it doesn't pop out as much as the two other cards my order of ranking green yellow blue red <laughs> of like best color yeah well and there is a the, purple one too i think no it's only those four. Oh, i thought it, there was like a purple one. oh well maybe you, myth you, explorer lied to me but yeah, i think it's got, the you, normal version is purple yeah you got the the border so this these neon inks are only going to be found on the the uh the borderless print version of hidetsugu devouring chaos not the normal or the extended art 
And it's unclear at this moment if there will be a manga-inspired borderless art as well, like what we saw with uh, Kaito. Yeah, yeah, the, yes. Okay, let's see. But yeah, those those neon inks, they look good. They're going to be expensive, and they're going to be fun to follow the price as those things move up. Like, Yeah. Ooh. Man, things like this make it just like, man, collector's boosters and set boosters are gambling. Just a, Shh, Wizards can't say that. Yeah, but we can because <laughs> we know it's it. It's true. It is. It's totally gambling. If I'm not mistaken, what didn't Watsy have to like... Wasn't there something with like the reserve list? This is one of the reasons why reserve list is around is because it's like they had to do it this like or that they haven't like acknowledged reserve list at all is because if they acknowledge the reserve list, it's like oh shit, there's gonna be uh, gambling law implications put on our ass because of how we were talking about it at the beginning. Like there was a uh, a court hearing that that would set a precedent for something like this. I'll have to find the article that I was reading about this. I think I think I remember something about that. I don't know if it was reserve list, but I knew it was I think it is that they cannot officially re- uh acknowledge the secondary market of cards. Yeah. I they was they the court can, case like tops first court or whatever. It could be. And I, and th- that would make a lot of sense. I think it's that they cannot acknowledge the 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 value of cards in the secondary market. So what they say is for example, when Dan, you know, because people were asking for a damnation reprint forever because it was getting so expensive, they didn't say we're printing it because there's a lot of demand for it because it's an expensive card. No, they say is it's a very, very popular card. People have wanted back for a while because they're saying something's popular versus something is very valuable as two different things. Right. But they're having the same effect of no, we understand that it's a valuable card and it's very popular and we're printing it because it's popular not because it's very valuable using using the legalese to like skirt those yeah it, yeah but i guess whatever works for a man uh, you know if they don't have to pay gambling tax laws and it's suddenly not a 21 plus 18 or to 21 plus game that's fine that's true that's true there there, there would be an age change there yeah, no. I probably you wouldn't be able to get them at Walmart anymore if there's gambling because you can't. You don't no. be able to get the, get them at gas stations along the fucking scratch cards, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, man, I. That means uh, toy drives won't be able to ask for them. Apparently, toy drives ask for magic cards now. What? Yeah, I went to. Uh, I was at a God, what's the brewery across the river? Junkyard. I was at Junkyard, junkyard and they they're doing a toy drive, and they had on their list magic cards. I'm like, dude, why don't you just ask me to buy them some crack? Or something like <laughs> at least they'll get something done with their lives instead of buying, you know, a pack of cards and then suddenly they're, you know, 10 commander decks deep. They, yeah. But do we want to move on to talking about the sexiest thing to come out of it? Yes, I'm in. Yeah. Um, real estate. So. <laughs> uh, if you want to take a peek at the lands, they are, of course, doing full art again because full art is no longer special but these lands are mighty fine i was about to say you look at these cards and tell me they're not special sir (laughs) look at them (laughs) oh god they are beautiful so they are releasing uh here actually i'll just read what you wrote uh they're releasing basic lands good uh these basic lands are full art in the style of uh you yukio 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 e i think you gotta okay because it really sounds like i'm saying yukio no. And we already had Yu-Gi-Oh cards in Amonkhet. See, we did. Uh, which is so the style is actually called a, a, a technique called woodcut, 
or wood cutting. So uh, a big famous piece of art would be like the the Great Wave. Yeah, I was um, just about to mention. Or that, Mount Fuji is another big uh, one. When you think of like Japanese art, like you think of those two things, and they're like colorful, like. Can- khaki canvas background but with like vibrant colors and like a very sharp uh sharp edges and it's it's woodcut printing of of the time in the 17th century and it looks so fucking good oh geez yeah man like i'm already a bitch for chinese for like chinese buffets but like <laughs> mm, damn uh yeah so uh, they'll be available in foil and non-foil in all boosters but at different pull rates. Uh, collector's <laughs> yep. boosters will have a foil in every pack. At, but it's a collector booster, so you may as well buy a Pringle, because it's going to curve just the same. I'm keeping my fingers crossed, man. I know I, I say this every time. I say this. Nothing can be as bad as the Commander Legends curl, though. Like you, you No. The, it, Kaldheim was also pretty bad. But Kaldheim just had a really dark printing. It did. It did. Fucking Zedekar was pretty bad, too, still. So. Yeah, yeah. And MH2, I thought it was okay. And then I was in J-Dubs buying cards, and I definitely found one or two that had, like, not as bad as Commander Legends Curl, but it was still a Pringle. That's unfortunate. I, I got to check my uh, Crimson Vow foils that I got, see if any of those have curled yet. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. Um, let's see, what else is there? Uh, yeah, so Collector Boosters will have a foil in every pack. Draft boosters and set boosters will have them in one third of them. Uh, yeah, they're very beautiful. Um, uh, there's two yeah. different there's two different arts for each basic land. So there's going to be uh, two different arts for the plains, the the islands, the swamps, the mountains, and the forests. Now, but it doesn't matter because you're going to want to buy them all anyway. You will. So which one's your favorite? Let's just cover this here real quick. Which one is your favorite out of all of them? See, I'm not sure yet because. I can tell you the two I like the least uh, Ooh, okay. is the Red Lantern Swamp. It's cool. I just I can already tell it's going to be really dark and not show up really well, and I'm going to want these for Commander decks mostly. Yep, yep. Um, and then the island that's right above it, which oh. is the... It, I mean, it's very colorful and it's very beautiful. It has like origami uh, cranes or some kind of bird on it. Um, just not crazy about it. Uh, one of my favorites, though, is probably one of the mountains and actually you know it's probably both the mountains the the left one has like these red i'd say dancing like fire spirits or something that really remind me of okay it's a game where you're a wolf and you run around and you draw stuff to do it's a it's on the wii you're a white (gasps) wolf oh my god and he had a paintbrush in his mouth right yes i'm trying to think of its name was this around the same time as like Epic Mickey and this company was oh, like probably yeah and they're like oh oh shit because it plays out very much like a Legend of Zelda game I can't okay. think of the name I think I know which one you're talking about someone knows it put it in the chat Amu I feel like you're a, you're a man of culture that would know this hit us up in the Discord yes please do but it reminds me of that and has a dragon in the background so that one's probably my favorite what about you what it's what is your favorite okay so I'm typically not a green mage but boy does this this forest like hit me hard like oh my god it's so beautiful it has like the thick black lines with all the different like uh, divisions of colors between the 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 trees the leaves the little hut and the smoke that is coming out from this it looks good but then my second favorite is 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 the mountain with the 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 flame spirits yeah yep that is so good which is odd to say like don't get me wrong 
both uh both islands i'm a blue mage look good and i'd probably say that the waterfall one is good but i'd rather have that as a print than on a magic card in my opinion but uh, you know that's either here or there but the mountain in that uh forest there okami that's what it was that was the name of the game okami okami okay so yeah 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 i was yeah because i kept thinking kamikawa no that's not it that is what the the magic is but yeah your favorite forest it with the lines being as thick as it is it almost reminds me of um Kind of like a 70s trippy poster, like an LSD style poster. <laughs> uh, I can't see it super well from here, but it really looks like, you know, overflowing color from the sides and, you know, a lot of confusing uh, stuff going on. A lot of uh, movement in the piece. I love it. That's my favorite. That one caught my eye first. I'm like, I'm in. Oh, yeah. I'm that in. is very, very pretty. So what else is up on our to-do list i think we got the dates next okay is that you or is that me no, that's, that's me it. still perfect okay yep so now let's go ahead and talk about uh important kamigawa dates that are coming up uh leading to the release of kamigawa Nian dynasty at the start of this part of the news section uh uh at the start of this news section uh, i mentioned that kamigawa is a story-based set so, well, on January 11th through the 21st, there will be articles covering the history and legends of Kamigawa. So, from January 11th to the 21st, for 10 days, there's going to be a lot of uh, history news articles covering Kamigawa and the legends when we first visited the plane back in the mid-2000s. And then January 24th, 25th, 26th, and 27th, uh, they will release all of the Neon Dynasty story articles with the debut video getting released on the 27th so unlike normal where they release this do pre-release they release the set and then every wednesday you get a every wednesday and thursday you get like a story piece and then you uh, based on the main story and then usually an ancillary story to flesh out the world they're not doing that they're just gonna put it all in four sh- three four shotgun shells and shoot it at you uh right before pre-release or before new cards are even spoiled hashtag story-based set yeah very much so i'm excited <laughs> i'm so excited for this one. Oh, oh yeah and then also starting on the 27th when that uh, preview video drops is when previews will actually begin with the full set image gallery to be available by february 4th uh january or february 7th through the 8th we'll have the whole commander previews dropped oh god i forgot there's commander product for this <laughs> oh god oh are you, are you ready for this mm. there's so many cards coming here and that's not even including the uh the alchemy set that'll come with it along with it on, supposed on to be an alchemy set too with yeah. this stuff now oh all, all standard products with uh on arena will have a like 30 card alchemy set that pairs with them that are going to be digital only cards I'd like to set out a prayer for all the programmers out there who are going to have to program this. Bless and rep in, rest in peace. Yeah, rip a roni. <laughs> um, yeah, then on February 10th, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty will be released on Arena and MTGO. Pre-releases will be happening around the world on February 11th with the full set release going down on February 18th. Let's see, the next bit is you. So that's all of our Kamigawa news. Oh, boy. Or at least the- most of it everything that we have at this moment. So at the end of the Kamigawa first look article, Watsi also announced that game day will be returning to WPM stores, March 5th through the 6th. 
this is a weekend event where you can play in standard or limited events to win special game day promo cards. So for this return of game day, the promos are consider. Uh, you get a consider for participating. The card consider, not considering to participate. <laughs> uh, top eight competitors get a traditional foil Fateful Absence, which is the white one destroy a creature and that creature's controller investigates. And the winner will get a traditional foil promo at Sushi, the Blazing Sky, the dragon that we mentioned up there about 15 minutes ago now. Yeah, yep. <laughs> so mark your calendars for this event and check for a WPM store like J-Dubs to play at. Did you say what uh, formats the this game day will be? Uh, it's going to be between standard, standard and limited. It's uh, at the store's discretion of what they want to choose. Uh, if it's limited, it'd be like a sealed or draft, or mm-hmm. they'll do like two HG and stuff like that's a common thing that they do. Oh, oh, we missed uh, reminding people. Uh, little note here for upcoming events: Paradox is doing their Modern Horizons two two-headed giant coming up in January, which should be. I mean. That already sounds a lot of fun, but isn't there some really strong prize support for it? There is. Uh, first place gets uh, free pre-releases for the whole year. Oh, geez. So, I mean, let's see. Now, five, five, four years ago, that'd be like, what, 90 bucks, right? But due to the rate that they release things at now. You got four premiums, or premier sets, which are the standard sets. And then you have like two, like we have Baldur's Gate coming out this year as well. And that's going to have what? a pre-release. Then, uh, I don't know. I think uh, Unset, the Unset, Unfinity is going to have a pre-release as well. So that's six. And oh, if these are crazy. If that's 40 bucks a pop already, that is $240 worth of value just for winning. And that's just going like bare minimum of pre-release wins yeah and honestly you're gonna spend that money doing this anyway so why don't you just make your shit free and two-headed giant is always a really fun format too it's 79.99 pre-orders pre-orders are available i'll make sure to link that down below so that we can sign up did they say what uh what type of limited um it's gonna be crimson vow modern horizons 2 oh geez the spice on this i mean that stuff you can't even grind on arena to really learn your learn you know what's good and what's not so you can on moto because they got i forget moto's a thing they do got their uh god look at this uh event results at the end of the news or event results uh upcoming events at the end of the news section on uh moto right now they still got their fan uh modern horizons 2 phantom league going on till the non-phantom league it's non-phantom league like you actually get to keep the cards so you can lower the prices of regavans by opening up more regavans by drafting modern horizons 2 on moto but remember they don't acknowledge the secondary market even if it's in moto okay that is wow there's so much coming out that's great not for my wallet but that's great okay and now from there let's jump over to the conjured currency section so as always, the Contra Currency section, we use the amazing website, MTG Stocks. They have a weekly article that gets posted every Friday called The Weekly Winners. In it, the author talks about three to five cards that are moving up in price, and at the end, they talk about some cheap pickups uh, of three to five cards that are moving down in price. We record on Monday night, so prices may have changed, and when they do, we will let you know. So starting off this week, primarily based on all the Kamigawa news that we had as of last Thursday... We have, just overall in general, a bunch of samurai moving up in price, like, significantly. Starting off, we have Iso- Iseo-, Iseo Enlightened Bushi. 
which is green two for a two one legendary samurai. It's a samurai. It's also a humans, which actually is not irrelevant. Yep, a uh, human samurai that reads it can't be countered and has Bushido 2. So Bushido is when this creature blocks or becomes blocked. It gets plus 2, plus 2 till end of turn, and it has two colorless regenerate target samurai. This has only been printed in Betrayers of Kamigawa, which was 20 years ago now. Market price on this is around $3, but the average price spiked up to twenty, almost $25 foil price i feel is a little uh sketch here because according to mtg stocks the foil price is 999 dollars 99 cents yeah no i, think, I don't I think that's somebody that misentered something in. yeah i'm pretty sure because you know with it being old i mean at bare minimum the multiplier is probably two but realistically the multiplier is probably a 3x yeah for something like this i would not put it past it being like actually an 80 75 a 75 80 dollar uh foil yeah that makes sense yeah, uh, it, it was only printed that once. It has samurai potential. And so with uh, the product, uh, product packaging, oh, we didn't even mention this. I forgot to type this in. The product packaging with Kamigawa, it had images of the Wanderer on it. Okay, you know, I, I was wondering if uh, it, it has, they, because we, we don't know if they are she or he, if they are going to be... It looks like the Wanderer. I don't think it's been officially confirmed by Wasi that it is the Wanderer. But okay, that, that'll be the good. internet is very much like... This is totally the Wanderer. Anyways, just wanted to point that out there. So uh, with the product packaging showing Samurais, Samurais are moving up in price, and then you have Oathkeeper, Tanako, Daisho. Oh, yeah, I have one. Do you really? Yeah, because I I bought it when I built Toshiro Umazawa because he's a Samurai, so it's a way to keep him on the board. Okay. But yeah, I actually want to tell everybody all about it. It is a legendary artifact equipment for three mana. It has a equip of two. Equipped creature gets plus three, plus one. And whenever an equipped creature dies, return that card to the battlefield under your control if it's a samurai. When Oathkeeper Tanko Daisho is put into the graveyard from the battlefield, exile equipped creature. The foil on this card is about 60 bucks, but this jumped up 538%, now around $27. Market price you can still get for under nine. So you can still like scrooch into this and try and like snipe it before it really moves up in price if a samurai deck of any kind is something that piques your interest. I will say if, you know, as they spoil more samurai and if you do want to preemptively assume that you're going to build a samurai deck, this is probably one of the better old cards to get. Partially it's colorless. It's also protection. And it, it just leaves, keeps bringing it back. Well, yeah, exactly. It just keeps bringing it back. They have to blow up the, uh, you know, the, the actual artifact to stop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would not recommend getting the green samurai, the the first one you mentioned, uh, Iso Enlightened Bushy, because he's the only green samurai that exists. Oh, is he really? Yep, yeah. Oh, I bet that's probably the why, the reason why he jumped up 1,200% then. Yeah, he's the only one. He has a good effect, but like, yeah, he's the only green samurai that exists. Just before he jumped up in price, he was $2 and a quarter. <laughs> $2 and a quarter? Yeah, no, all the samurai have been very cheap. And yeah, exactly, he, even him is like... A, you can't play any more samurai in this deck, so he's basically a good troll type character if you're, you know, using it as your commander. Otherwise, you can use it to make your changelings regenerate. But if you're doing that at that point, you may as well play any of the elf cards that do the exact same thing. Yeah, or you have asceticism, which also. Oh yeah, or be... just just do that. Yeah, that works. Your creatures can't be targeted and still regenerate them. So next up on the samurai docket, we have Opal Eye Kanda's Yajim... Yojimbo. Yojimbo. Yeah, I think that's how you say it. All right. We're going to butcher it regardless. So. <sighs> We're so sorry. 
This was only printed in Betrayers of Kamigawa. It is white, white, one for a legendary creature, Fox Samurai. It has Bushido one and Defender. And then it has the activated abilities of Tap. The next time a source of your choice would deal damage this turn, that damage is dealt to Opal Eye Kondo Yamjimbo instead. And then it has an, another activated ability of White 1. Prevent the next one damage that would be dealt to Opal Eye this turn. This card has jumped up uh, 231% with an average price of just shy of $20. Market price you can still find for around 7 The foil pricing on this thing was $80, just under $80. Oh, jeez. Uh, this one's moving up in price because it has... Uh, a slight interaction with one of the unofficial spoiled cards. It's a white dragon. If that uh, interests you, I'm pretty sure you guys can go on Reddit and look it up there. Uh, we don't. I don't want to really talk about any unofficial cards because they could be fake, potentially. But that's moving up because of that. Next up in the Samurai docket, we have Kanda, Lord of I... Uh, Ig- Ig- okay. I believe it's a Ganjo. Oh, Ganjo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, Iganjo is kind of how I've always said it. Okay. It is white, white, five for a 3-3 three, three legendary human samurai that has indestructible and vigilance and Bushido 5. So, again, Bushido is when this creature blocks or becomes blocked, it gets plus 5, plus 5 until end of turn. So a 7-mana 8-8 eight, eight doesn't seem too bad. Uh, this jumped up 62%, chilling around $7.98. Market price is pretty close to that. Foils was $42. Wow, the average price jumps up on this card significantly since Friday. Average price around $25. Again, all these samurai that we've mentioned have only been printed in the Kamigawa block back in the early 2000s. Yeah, they have not reprinted. I don't think they've reprinted any samurai that I can think of. Some of the ninjas they have, but I don't think any of the samurai. But correct me if i'm wrong um i think they put a couple of them in like the eternal uh ea uh, eternal master sets oh maybe maybe uh, uh they they definitely put the spirit dragons in there oh um yeah what's the uh, eight and a half tails he was a samurai no he's a monk he's just a monk okay never i'm pretty mind. sure he's a monk never mind then Next up in the weekly winners, outside of the Samurai, we have March of Souls, which is a white four sorcery that reads, destroy all creatures. They can't be regen. For each creature destroyed this way, its controller puts a 1-1 white spirit creature token with flying onto the battlefield. This board wipe has uh, seen a lot of play in the Millicent Millicent Restless Revenant commander decks as an upgrade. Uh, according to EDH Rec, it sees it has jumped up in 25% in play in these deck, and that is the Crimson Vow Spirit Commander. Yeah, which, from what I understand, is a very good deck. Yeah, that is a tongue twister, though. Restless Revenant, Restless Revenant, Restless Revenant. You really got to focus on that. Yeah. So uh, Millicent is pretty much a, a Carador in Azorius. Yeah, basically. That's the best way to... And Carador... As we were talking, I think we were talking outside of the podcast. Is a very powerful. That's 2013 magic. Yeah, yeah. It's 2013 magic right there. But uh, because of that, that is moving up a price. Oh, I didn't mention the price. Uh, price it jumped up 281 percent. Average price around ten dollars. Market price on the thing is still around three dollars. So you can find them online for around three dollars. Foils of this card are 47. It's only been printed once in plain shift. So the next card we got up here. What is it? Oh, uh, Ritual of 
uh, Bert Kresher. Um, <laughs> if nobody knows that there's a comedian and named Bert Kresher, and his, yeah, his key thing, he's the machine, and it's the story about him going to Russia as an exchange student and getting in with the mob. It's, it's very entertaining. Look it up online. Oh, that's so good. That's a that's a deep connection. I like that. I didn't even fucking think of that. <laughs> yeah. So, wait, wait. It says the machine. So Ritual of the Machine is a sorcery from Alliances, only printed then for Black Black Two as an additional cost to cast Ritual of the Machine sack creature, gain control of target non artifact non black creature. Oh, that's that's interesting. This jumped up 127%, average price around $25, but the market price on it is $18.60. There is no foil because alliances did not have foils. So this, uh, according to the article here, this card sees some fringe play in Ganti Lord of Luxury and uh, Shiri Shinzo Caretaker, which is a card from uh, Champions of Kamigawa. But more recently, it popped up in the Runo Stromkirk Commander decks. Uh, but to be honest, I doubt these decks are the real reason for this card to jump up in price as much as it did. When we inspect it, we notice that it is on, wait for it, the reserve list. <laughs> Meaning that this card will never be printed again. And so, like, even just seeing any slight increase in a deck, it's going to just, like, move up in price because being on the reserve list. So, I mean, the thing's not, like, 50 bucks yet. and It's a reserve list card, so. Hey, man, buy your kid's future college fund right here. $25 for one low investment of $25. Uh, last weekly winner that we have here is Guild Pack Informant, a common, a common. So this is a blue two fairy rogue for one one that got printed in War of the Spark with flying. And whenever Guild Pack Informant deals combat damage to a player or a planeswalker, you pro- proliferate. So this has jumped up over 100% chilling at a whopping price. $2.96. You can find them online. It's jumped up even more. Market price of $3.72 with an average price of $4.72. Um, what makes this, there's no foils. So what makes this card special is that it was only printed in the uh, the Jace intro deck. Okay. So there's no foil of it. So there's a couple like Jace only matters cards that you got in there. Yeah, yep. And this came in there. I think there was only two copies of this. I'll say, because that's basically like a Thrumming Bird, but for one more. And Thrumming Bird, if you're in any deck that cares about counters and is in blue, man, it's the one one that could. Right. The, the only thing that makes this a little better than Thrumming Bird, because it's if it deals combat damage to a player or Planeswalker. Thrumming, oh, okay. Thrumming Bird does not have that on it as well. But it's like, for one more mana, is that worth it? Probably not. But at the same time, if you're in a deck that uses thrumming bird i could re- i mean i actually i run a pharrell edh deck which is blue green that cares about artifact charge counters and things like that this doesn't look bad one ones with flying that have a triggered ability do a lot more work than they initially look like they do because people don't actually have that much flying yeah um so like really it it's gonna probably proliferate two to three times before it's no longer effective just my yeah. rough guess and based on my experience. Yeah, and two, three counters is a lot of counters to put on a Planeswalker because it'll get it closer to an alt then by two, three turns or putting it on any kind of a charge counter on an artifact or land or plus one, plus one counters and stuff like that and proliferate. Oh, yeah. Mind you, you can proliferate infect counters. Yeah, you can. And, and you can also play it politically because 
maybe you help out a friend's planeswalker. Maybe you help out another person's, you know, plus one, plus one counter on their creature. Oh, Big G, I see that your Liliana is about to, is, is two turns away from alting there. If I, uh, if I just poke you, just deal this one damage to you, I'll pr- proliferate on your Lily, and then you don't have to worry about me next turn. Yeah, and then you bounce it. Yeah. And you're like... <laughs> So I pulled up Thrumming Bird here as the uh, comparison of it. It's a blue one for a 1-1 bird horror. And when it deals combat damage to a player, you proliferate. Market price on this card, 31 cents. Average price, 42. Foils, six or six, $5.68. But is that just for the Scars version? Was there another printing? Oh. Yes, there was. Oh, there were multiple printings. So you can get uh, a mystery booster printing of it. I'm not sure which, uh, if it was the convention or the store edition, but also cheaper, you can get the Modern Masters 2015 because that got printed at Common, got printed in Commander 16. I think that's the, was that the Atraxa deck that they got printed? Yeah, probably. Okay. And it got printed there, and then Commander Anthology 2, Volume 2. So it has a couple more printings than Guild Pack Informant, so I guess that would explain the cheaper price on this thing compared to Guild Pack Informant. But um, yeah, so moving up, one of the top decks that's helping this see uh, play is Toxuriel, the Corrosive, the Slug Commander from Crimson Vow that puts slime counters onto things because you can proliferate those slime counters. And creatures with the slime counter on it with Toxuriel out get Neg one, Neg one. So it just permanently wipes the board from like indestructible mofos. Oh, yeah. It's a great way to do it. So, I mean, if you're looking to pick up some of these cards or there's a certain price point, I think, isn't there a program out there or a website out there that really helps you uh, track when a a card hits a certain price point or goes low enough to a certain price point? I am so glad that you mentioned this because there is one. It's called TCG Sniper. Boom. Headshot. And that's pretty much what you do. You headshot these awesome fucking deals of cards. You create an account you go to their dashboard enter in a card's link from tcg player onto there so let's say you want to be informed when uh thrumming bird you're like i got 10 of these things and if guild pack informant's going to be moving up in price so is thrumming bird so you just set a notification to get notified when thrumming bird moves up to a buck 50 tcg or tcg sniper does that for you and it'll send you an email a text message or a uh, discord notification when that happens you click the link and you can post on tcg player cards moving up in price but it also works the opposite way so let's say let's say that well, you want to get ritual of the machine yeah or even some of i mean maybe not the machine but a lot of these samurai who are you know clearly just spiked up on hype we know they're going to go down there there's no way they're going to stay up that high yeah this Konda, is lord of iganjo like that that thing is just like it's just a speculative, oh, it's a samurai. People are going to try and buy yeah. this, so we're just like banking on this thing. This one's going to move down in price. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It is a bad card. TCG Sniper also notifies you of when cards move down in price. You set the desired price you want to get notified at. So let's say, Conda, here, you're like, $8. Pff, tell me when it's $2. TCG Sniper will do that. When someone on TCG players start selling for $2, you'll get posted a link, and then you click that link, and then you become a Happy Magic player because you picked it up for $2. It's, you know, it's another great tool to allow you to help dodge uh, sensationalist spikes and really hit, you know, grab a bunch of those staples that really, you know, they get printed a lot. You know you're going to want, well, like Morbid Opportunist is a, a card from um, 
Midnight Hunt, where whenever a creature dies, you draw a card, triggers once per turn. It's a great card. It's an uncommon. Eventually, I could see that being a 2 to $3 card. But sets being currently open. MTG Sniper, you go ahead and put it in the price you want. Say you're willing to buy them at $0.25. Cents. You just wait till they hit $0.25. $0.25 cents. You just buy a bunch of your staples. Wait a year or two. Oh, suddenly they're $2 a piece. You just saved a little bit of cash there. Oh, hey, if they don't get reprinted until four or five years down the line, you got yourself some serious trade cred for either your own decks or for distributing to other people in the area, in which case you have now become a uh, kingpin of one particular <laughs> card in your local region. You can also be a kingpin of a sealed product with TCG Sniper because you can put in uh, boost boxes, uh, you can put in Planeswalker decks, Commander decks, get notified when prices move up or down on those as well. If you go over there, create an account, and mention that the guys over at This Week in MTG sent you, you will get three months free of their Plus program. So instead of the typical five cards, uh, five slots of things that you can enter, you can get 50 slots to enter. Highly worth it. Try it for the three months. You'll see that it is really worth the, the thing. I've gotten... Oh, I got I got uh, my Holebreaker Horror chilling on there. Be like, TCG Sniper, let me know when people are selling them for six bucks not happening yet so i got a question for you on average let's say a month about how much money do you think you're saving um using this program first just going out and buying buying the cards or, or watching it yourself uh tcg sniper definitely benefits those who are patient i will not deny that um i got really lucky with a really cool uh long-term plans foil from scourge oh oh that's a really fun tutor it is it is it's one of my favorite tutors uh instant speed tutor for anything oh, so i got in it blue yeah blue it's 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 blue it tutors in blue um but i picked it i picked up a foil uh, i was like notify me when it's like 10 bucks and it was like a 20 dollar whatever let's let's do a lab look oh yeah the the yeah so what it does is it's a blue and two colorless for an instant speed tutor up anything in your uh library and put it third from the top yep i got a foil for 10 or 11 dollars and right now a foil is 24 oh yeah oh yeah tcg sniper is amazing and uh yeah it's highly worth it i know jb he has a couple uh ultimate master boxes sitting on there waiting for those to move down in price yeah man if you're running your own online shop that's another great way to you know if you know you need to make a certain margin on a product just use the sniper so that you know when it hits your margin point you can sell and get rid of it and therefore you've made your profit and you don't have to keep spending time checking over and over and being disappointed every day like my father (laughs) we got to get jonathan penguin back on here again to talk about that it's been about a year since we last talked to them about tcg sniper yeah it'd be a good idea all right we got some uh, cheap pickups here. You want to read those, Noah? Yeah, sure. You want to go and stroll to the top? Okay, speaking of times and paths, V-Click is slowly going down. It is at $9.10. Uh, that is a double blue and a colorless for a legendary creature fairy wizard. Uh, this printing in particular is the Masters 25. It has flash flying. It is a 3-1 when it ETBs, you need to read the rest of that because I cannot read it from here. Uh, look at the top, or look at target player's hand. You may choose a non-land card from it. If you do, that player puts the chosen card on the bottom of their library, then draws a card. So, also with the the Master Twenty Five, the 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 Morning Tide printing is moving down in price as well. Perfect. The next one is for all of you Commander folk who are in Boros or a non-green. 
uh, deck. If you like your Sword of the Animist, or if you like your uh, Dowsing Dagger, your best friend, Sword of Hearth and Home is slowly going down. It's currently at $10.72. That is a three-drop artifact equipment. It equips for two. It gives the creature plus two, plus two, pro-white and pro-green. When it connects with a person, uh, you can go ahead and blink any creature, I believe, right? Or is it permanent? Creature you own. Yep, any creature you own, you can go ahead and blink. And then you also go ahead and go through your deck, grab out a basic land, and put it into play tapped. So you can go and get some ramp going there. No, you don't put it into play tapped. You put both cards onto the battlefield under your control. Then Oh! Not tapped. Oh, that's very nice then. <laughs> you know, so you can kind of keep up the pressure. Moving next, for everybody who likes the always expensive slivers, uh, from Time Spiral Remastered, Sliver Legion is slowly trending down at $20.70. It is a Wooburg, so a white, blue, black, red, and green legendary sliver. It's a 7-7, so it already beats the uh, vanilla test. All sliver creatures get plus one, plus one for each other sliver on the battlefield. That includes your opponent's slivers. It's going to hurt. Yeah, it's going to hurt a lot. Moving on, what else we got? Nothing. Perfect. There are your weekly winners. And from there, let's jump into our new section here, the ThoughtCast. And I have a little thing written up here. So the ThoughtCast, the point of this is to educate everyone on some sort of aspect of magic, whether that be uh, finance, deck interactions, card interactions, or in this case, Noah, our fine educated guy of uh, foreign cards, is here to tell us about foreign cards. Because we had a question last week about how the change of draft packs to set packs in the APAC region would potentially affect those prices and those cards and stuff. Yeah, here, I'll whip up the, the exact exact question. Cause it, okay. Da-da. So the exact question I sought to answer was, due to the change in distributing only English draft boosters instead of Chinese and Korean language boosters into the APAC region, which we don't know stands for Asia Pacific something, something, I don't know, it's it, Asia uh, region, will, de- will decrease the value of the those chinese and korean cards um and will it impact the price of those cards in the u.s that specifically those foreign language cards uh so and i'm basing all my research basic uh i'm listening to brainstorm brewery their finance podcast um and some other local information uh my gut reaction and 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 thinking about it is that no prices will not decrease sorry will not increase uh, in China or uh, stateside. So let's look at the value of uh, foreign language cards. Uh, the desirability of foreign language cards is actually less than English cards globally. Uh, I remember hearing uh, someone tell me, I want to say it was a store owner, tell me like when it comes to, for example, Russia, there's more Russian booster boxes sold in the US than there is in Russia. It's kind of weird. The only exception to this is foils. Uh, any foreign language card foil will command a higher premium because they, they look very cool. They're also harder to get. If it if it's a classic Japanese foil, there's actually a different foiling process. It almost looks like it has a bit of a, think of like a pre, pre-etched texture. Um, it It's a very light thing, but it, it, it's slightly different foiling process they used to have. Well, you can only yeah. imagine like different... Uh like printings of cards like what we saw with the midnight hunt 
and the the Japanese and American packs where there was were printed uh, if they were printed in Japan or if they were printed in America, the embossed lands and they had like a different foiling on top of that as well. Like you can see different how how the printing process is different for countries when they get where, where do they get printed yeah yep so yes exactly so i mean we're gonna set foil prices and and that aside because that's a very unique niche market uh, if you're looking for foreign foils it's kind of like if you're looking for particular misprints you know you kind of have to be part of the right facebook groups you really got to know what you're looking for and really we're talking about like not any rinky dink you know, common foil. It has to be something of actual, like, use. But otherwise, yeah, generally, uh, foreign cards can ask for a less price. They're just less desirable. So with that in mind, globally, the desire for these cards is less. So uh, that's one thing. I don't think the price will increase in China because of that, even though there is less of them now. Okay, okay. Um, let's see, what is it? Uh, another important thing to note, so that's kind of the the... In China, I don't think the price will change on these cards at all. It doesn't really matter. In America, I don't think the car, the value of the cards will change at all either. And a huge thing about this is that mark, cards don't move between markets nearly at the rate you would think. So when you say markets, you mean like uh, like a European market to an American market? Yeah, from an Europe Asian market to, to Asia to, okay. yeah. I'm, okay. I'm talking more in, the, in that scale. Okay, okay. Uh, and that is because... If I want to order a Liliana the Veil, let's say, let's say even if it's a Chinese one, and and there's already a Chinese one somewhere in the U.S., my shipping costs would be so significantly cheaper to ship around the U.S. than it would be to try to ship from China. So cards don't move that much. The only time cards really move a lot between any of these regional markets is when you have a big GP and a vendor flies in to absorb cards from one market to move to another. Um, D. Douglas Johnson of the Brainstorm Brewery podcast, he it's basically what's known as arbitrage uh, and, and and moving these cards between markets because there's different values of them. We, we, yeah. we can see different values on cards. Like using MTG stocks, it has the card market, which is the European... Uh, TCG player kind of yep. thing over over uh, across the pond where some cards you see are in pounds cheaper than dollars, which is already cheaper in dollars if they're cheaper in pounds because uh, more pounds equal a dollar than a dollar equals a pound. Yeah, and at that point, yeah, then, then we have to start considering, you know, currency wars and currency values. And, and that that's a whole other thing that I know nothing about. So, yeah, I mean, to summarize, basically, they won't go up in either ones. You know, the only exception is that, like, yeah, technically now there will be a less supply in general of Chinese and Korean cards. Sucks I love Korean cards. It's my favorite typography on a card. But even, even let's say, 10 years down the line, yeah, sure, cards may increase in price. That may have been a long enough time. But we have no way of actually measuring that and knowing that that's the cause. And cards already fluctuate in price so much that it's really a moot point. We, we just, there's no way for us to quantify it. And I don't think that it'll go up at all because of the previously listed reasons. So do you think that this is just going to be affecting more of the large scale collectors or those that deal with arbitrage more, more than it would be like uh, a Joe Blue like you and I that just like 
play magic hardcore occasionally collect like cool things like hard hardcore collector gonna feel this more than just uh, a normal magic player or is that not an all kind of a thing see the thing is i got thinking about that and i don't know and that's because that goes into what are you doing with set boosters and what are you doing with draft boosters so set boosters you open them for booster fun for the enjoyment of opening them and yes. typically you get more rares and and more you get your more value out of it versus a draft booster, which you are nowadays, you're more buying it to play a game. And, you know, because of that, are more packs being opened be to play that game? And then I, that got me down a rabbit hole of, well, wait a minute, what is China's COVID laws right now? Are people actually gathering? Are they able to do that? Are they actually able to crack and sit around in LGS and open up packs? I think, yeah, it's going to be the, the, the whales that like, you know, like their foreign foils like me i'm not a whale but i like them yeah that will be more difficult but at the same time a lot of times you're paying you know at least like 50 bucks for a card anyway so yeah it'll go up but if you're willing to pay 50 dollars for a card that's foreign and foil you'll probably pay another 25 dollars for that card very fair very fair yeah and that i mean as another side tangent there's actually a, a val- there is a difference in foreign card values with your most valuable ones being foil Russians, followed by Japanese, Korean, Chinese. Then you move over to the European languages. I want to say German being the highest, then French, then Spanish. And then you go over to the South American language, which I'm pretty sure is maybe just Portuguese. Okay. So... Yeah, there's even a scale of uh, of what foreign cards have what value. I I do know that you always hear more on podcasts people wanting to collect uh, Russian versions of cards. Uh, oh, Shane God, Beeps yes. from the Dive Down, I know he always talks about getting Russian cards and stuff. I think, oh God, God, oh, I'm definitely wrong on this, but I want to say he got like Russian Tron pieces. Oh, oh, that sounds so beautiful. I think I could be wrong. Or it was Dredge. Ah, jeez, I can't remember. It was a while ago. But anyways, but you, but you always hear of like Russian and like the the blockiness of a Russian. I got Russian uh, pitiless plunderers. And oh, yeah. The text on them is just, it, it does look good. It does look good. And I get yeah. that um, different language appeals to that. And then there, I mean, you play with more foreign cards than, than me, most mm-hmm. likely then, because I only got like literally, I can count on one hand of cards that are play that I play that are a different language it's like is there a uh a superiority sounds very snobby but a superiority complex of like i know exactly what this card does even though it's not in my 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 common language is that like one of the the appeals to looking and searching for foreign cards no i wouldn't say it's that um the the appeal is generally it's just it's it's like trying to get the rarest thing of something get you know getting the the foil showcase the the appeal is in that it is a very unique piece especially if it is in like a non-latin based language so something that's very blocky or something that's not like if it's german or spanish or french the reason why those hold, one of the reasons in my opinion why those hold less value is that though i can't read them my eyes will automatically start to try to pick up those letters Versus if it's, you know, Russian or Korean or Chinese, taking away the 
the words and that information on a card allows you to focus more on the art of the card. And, and therefore, it's it's amplified in that sense because you're now just naturally focusing more on the art as opposed to all the surrounding information. Okay, all right. I'll definitely give you that. I'll definitely give you that. I, uh, it's weird, but thinking about it, I definitely paid more closer attention to uh, Pitiless Plunder after looking at that Russian card. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and another thing about, and this goes more into arbitrage versus the actual visual looks, is different markets have different desires. So like in Japan, EDH is a thing, but it's not nearly as big as constructed, like modern or standard. So those cards command a higher value than they do stateside versus over here where we're like, yeah, no, nah, give me that parallel lives. Give me that doubling season. Give me that, you know, give me that pitiless <laughs> plunder, man. I want that. Um, so if you have someone over there that you can ship easily to, you actually have the opportunity to move your cards over there for a higher dollar amount and then take EDH staples. Okay. Um, and then also if you want to build a cheaper EDH deck, uh, and you know what all your parts do because you've seen them a billion times or you know enough of them, you can just buy foreign cards because they're cheaper and they're going to... The piece is still going to do the same thing. You know, your foreign lightning bolt is still going to... Non-foil lightning bolt is still going to deal three damage to any target. So there's also that. Well, Noah, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast for this uh, romantic... (laughs) Romantic episode of This Week in MTG. Do you got anything else you want to add on foreign cards before we leave? No, that's about it. Yeah, you know, covered the difference. No, that's about it. You know, thanks for having me on. Well, there you have it. Your thought cast, your 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 maiden voyage of this. We're going to be like rotating this in and out probably between like deck of the week and stuff because I think that's kind of important. And uh, send us your inputs on what you think of something like this, this segment. But with that, uh, thank you. Thank you to all you legendary magic folk for making it to the end of episode 119 of This Week in MTG. And another big lovely thank you to our amazing patrons who help evolve this podcast. Uh, finally, let's give some love over to JW Sports Cards and Gaming for being an amazing sponsor. Go do all your magic purchases and stuff over there. Uh, I don't think Josh has any Kamigawa pre-orders set up yet but i imagine those are going to be coming soon so if you're in the fm area and you're looking for a place to play some magic go check them out Ooh, side note tuesday nights they have their trade nights that's a new thing that they're doing between six and nine you can go there bring your binders of cards trade with a bunch of other awesome people in the magic community and stuff unfortunately i don't think you'll ever be able to see me there because i'll be editing the podcast on tuesdays yeah one of these times one of these times maybe i'll get it done early enough um and now Noah, do you got anything else you want to add? Do you want to have people follow you somewhere? No, no, I have my ex do that. Perfect. Yeah, uh, no. Join the Discord, and then you can talk to him about foreign cards. Yeah, yeah, talk to me about foreign cards. I, If, if you have foreign cards, I'm always interested, uh, at least looking at them and, and admiring them. I have one Facebook page where it's some guy out of the Philippines trying to sell stuff. I'm like, ooh, but that looks really pretty, <laughs> especially when you get into like the old, like the old like Scourge foil foreign cards then you're really looking at some expensive pieces i do love scourge foils oh they're very beautiful if uh you got nothing else to say we'll catch you next week magic folk perfect see y'all later merry christmas congratulations you made it to the end of this week's episode of this week in mtg your listenership means so much to us make sure to follow the podcast over on apple Podcasts, spotify google play or on the podcatcher of your choice.
You can watch the live stream recording of the podcast every Monday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time over on YouTube and twitch.com slash thisweekinmtg. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can send us a message to our Facebook, Twitter, or send us an email at thisweekinmtg at gmail.com. For all these links and more, check out our link tree at linktr.ee slash thisweekinmtg. Thanks so much. Dude, why don't you just ask me to buy him some crack?